Section 14 of New Arabian Nights by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Pavilion on the Links. Chapter 6. Tells of my introduction to the tall man. We were admitted to the pavilion by Clara, and I was surprised by the completeness and security of the defences. A barricade of great strength, and yet easy to displace, supported the door against any violence from without, and the shutters of the dining-room into which I was led directly, and which was feebly illuminated by a lamp, were even more elaborately fortified. The panels were strengthened by bars and crossbars, and these in their turn were kept in position by a system of braces and struts, some abutting on the floor, some on the roof, and others, in fine, against the opposite wall of the apartment. It was at once a solid and well-designed piece of carpentry, and I did not seek to conceal my admiration. "'I am the engineer,' said Northmour. "'You remember the planks in the garden? Behold them!' "'I did not know you had so many talents,' said I. "'Are you armed?' he continued, pointing to an array of guns and pistols, all in admirable order, which stood in line against the wall or were displayed upon the sideboard. "'Thank you,' I returned. "'I have gone armed since our last encounter, but to tell you the truth I have had nothing to eat since early yesterday evening.' Northmour produced some cold meat, to which I eagerly set myself, and a bottle of good burgundy by which, wet as I was, I did not scruple to profit. I have always been an extreme temperance man on principle, but it is useless to push principle to excess, and on this occasion I believe that I finished three-quarters of the bottle. As I ate, I still continued to admire the preparations for defence. "'We could stand a siege,' I said at length. "'Yes,' drawled Northmour, "'a very little one, perhaps. It is not so much the strength of the pavilion, I misdoubt. It is the doubled anger that kills me.' if i get to shooting wild as the country is some one is sure to hear it and then why then it's the same thing only different as they say caged by law or killed by carbonari there's the choice it is a devilish bad thing to have the law against you in this world and so i tell the old gentleman upstairs he is quite of my way of thinking speaking of that said i what kind of person is he oh he cried the other he is a rancid fellow as far as he goes i should like to have his neck wrung to-morrow by all the devils in italy i am not in this affair for him you take me i made a bargain for missy's hand and i mean to have it too that by the way said i i understand but how will mr huddlestone take my intrusion leave that to clara returned northmour i could have struck him in the face for this coarse familiarity but i respected the truce as i am bound to say did northmour and so long as the danger continued not a cloud arose in our relation i bear him this testimony with the most unfeigned satisfaction nor am i without pride when i look back upon my own behaviour for surely no two men were ever left in a position so invidious and irritating as soon as i had done eating we proceeded to inspect the lower floor window by window we tried the different supports now and then making an inconsiderable change and the strokes of the hammer sounded with startling loudness through the house 
I proposed, I remember, to make loopholes, but he told me they were already made in the windows of the upper story. It was an anxious business, this inspection, and left me downhearted. There were two doors and five windows to protect, and, counting Clara, only four of us to defend them against an unknown number of foes. I communicated my doubts to Northmour, who assured me, with unmoved composure, that he entirely shared them. "'Before morning,' said he, "'we shall all be butchered and buried in Graden Flow. For me that is written.' I could not help shuddering at the mention of the quicksand, but reminded Northmour that our enemies had spared me in the wood. "'Do not flatter yourself,' said he. "'Then you were not in the same boat with the old gentleman. Now you are.' it's the flow for all of us mark my words i trembled for clara and just then her dear voice was heard calling us to come upstairs northmour showed me the way and when he had reached the landing knocked at the door that used to be called my uncle's bedroom as the founder of the pavilion had designed it especially for himself come in northmour come in dear mr cassilis said a voice from within Pushing open the door, Northmour admitted me before him into the apartment. As I came in, I could see the daughter slipping out by the side door into the study, which had been prepared as her bedroom. In the bed, which was drawn back against the wall, instead of standing, as I had last seen it, boldly against the window, sat Bernard Huddlestone, the defaulting banker. Little as I had seen of him by the shifting light of the lantern on the links, I had no difficulty in recognizing him for the same. He had a long and sallow countenance, surrounded by a long red beard and side-whiskers. His broken nose and high cheekbones gave him somewhat the air of a Kalmuk, and his light eyes shone with the excitement of a high fever. He wore a skull-cap of black silk. A huge Bible lay open before him on the bed with a pair of gold spectacles in the place, and a pile of other books lay on the stand by his side. The green curtains lent a cadaverous shade to his cheek, and as he sat propped on pillows his great stature was painfully hunched, and his head protruded till it overhung his knees. I believe if he had not died otherwise he must have fallen a victim to consumption in the course of but a very few weeks. He held out to me a hand, long, thin, and disagreeably hairy. "'Come in, Mr. Cassilis,' said he. "'Another protector! <clears throat> Another protector! Always welcome as a friend of my daughter's, Mr. Cassilis. How they have rallied about me, my daughter's friends! May God in heaven bless and reward them for it!' I gave him my hand, of course, because I could not help it, but the sympathy I had been prepared to feel for Clara's father was immediately soured by his appearance, and the wheedling, unreal tones in which he spoke. Castless is a good man,' said Northmour. "'Worth ten. "'So I hear,' cried Mr. Huddlestone eagerly. "'So my girl tells me. "'Ah, Mr. Castless, my sin has found me out, you see. "'I am very low, very low, but I hope equally penitent. "'We must all come to the throne of grace at last, Mr. Castless. "'For my part I come late indeed, but with unfeigned humility, I trust.' "'Fiddle-dee-dee,' said Northmour roughly no no dear northmour cried the banker you must not say that you must not try to shake me you forget my dear good boy you forget i may be called this very night before my maker 
his excitement was pitiful to behold and i felt myself grow indignant with northmour whose infidel opinions i well knew and heartily derided as he continued to taunt the poor sinner out of his humour of repentance pooh my dear huddleston said he you do yourself injustice you are a man of the world inside and out and were up to all kinds of mischief before i was born your conscience is tanned like south american leather only you forgot to tan your liver and that if you will believe me is the seat of the annoyance rogue rogue bad boy said mr huddlestone shaking his finger i am no precisian if you come to that i always hated a precisian but i never lost hold of something better through it all i have been a bad boy mr cassilis i do not seek to deny that but it was after my wife's death and you know with a widower it's a different thing sinful i won't say no but there is a gradation we shall hope and talking of that hark he broke out suddenly his hand raised his fingers spread his face racked with interest and terror only the rain bless god he added after a pause and with indescribable relief for some seconds he lay back among the pillows like a man near to fainting then he gathered himself together and in somewhat tremulous tones began once more to thank me for the share i was prepared to take in his defence one question sir said i when he had paused is it true that you have money with you he seemed annoyed by the question but admitted with reluctance that he had a little well i continued it is their money thereafter is it not why not give it up to them ah replied he shaking his head i have tried that already mr cassilis and alas that it should be so but it is blood they want huddlestone that's a little less than fair said northmour you should mention that what you offered them was upwards of two hundred thousand short the deficit is worth a reference it is for what they call a cool sum frank then you see the fellows reason in their clear italian way and it seems to them as indeed it seems to me that they may just as well have both while they're about it money and blood together by george and no more trouble for the extra pleasure is it in the pavilion i asked it is and i wish it were in the bottom of the sea instead said northmour and then suddenly what are you making faces at me for he cried to mr huddlestone on whom i had unconsciously turned my back do you think cassilis would sell you mr huddlestone protested that nothing had been further from his mind that is a good thing retorted northmour in his ugliest manner you might end by wearying us what were you going to say he added turning to me i was going to propose an occupation for the afternoon said i let us carry that money out piece by piece and lay it down before the pavilion door if the carbonari come why it's theirs at any rate no no cried mr huddlestone it does not it cannot belong to them it should be distributed pro rata among all my creditors come now huddleston said northmour none of that well but my daughter moaned the wretched man your daughter will do well enough here are two suitors cassilis and i neither of us beggars between whom she has to choose and as for yourself to make an end of arguments you have no right to a farthing and unless i'm much mistaken you are going to die it was certainly very cruelly said but mr huddlestone was a man who attracted little sympathy and although i saw him wince and shudder i mentally endorsed the rebuke nay i added a contribution of my own northmour and i i said are willing enough to help you save your life but not to escape with stolen property 
he struggled for a while with himself as though he were on the point of giving way to anger but prudence had the best of the controversy my dear boys he said do with me or my money what you will i leave all in your hands let me compose myself and so we left him gladly enough i am sure the last that i saw he had once more taken up his great bible and with tremulous hands was adjusting his spectacles to read end of section fourteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com